Well, I want to welcome everyone this morning to Orchard Church and also want to welcome those who will be watching us online. Happy Father's Day to all the dads this morning. We are in the uh, third part of a four-part series called Taking a Stand. We're looking at the Old Testament story of a man named Daniel. So if you haven't already, go to your Old Testament, about the second half of your Old Testament, turn to the book of Daniel, uh, chapter 6, verse 1 today. Uh, If you don't have a Bible or mobile device with you, that's okay. We'll also put some uh, verses on the screen to follow along, Daniel 6. Uh, verse 1. Uh, let me kind of tell you where we've been, and if you've missed any of these, I know it's summer, people are coming and going. You can always go to our website and watch these or podcast them and listen to them. Uh, but in the first week, we met Daniel. He was a teenager. He was one of thousands of young men who had been taken captive uh, by King Nebuchadnezzar in the Babylonian Empire. He was taken a thousand miles away from home, but we watched as Daniel took a stand. He stood out uh, for God, even as a teenager with his testimony. He stood for the right things in the right way at the right times and God blessed him for that. Uh, Last week we jumped ahead. He was about 50 years of age and we watched as he was serving the king but he had to stand up to the king. The king had a dream. Daniel interpreted that dream and he had to be the bearer of bad news and be the messenger uh, to King Nebuchadnezzar that you are going down the wrong path. Uh, You're sinning. You need to get right with God. He had a very difficult crucial conversation but it made a difference in the king's life. Next week we'll wrap up this series uh, with a great message talking about standing in our faith. There's times that we're discouraged or or about something going on and we can stand in our faith knowing that God has our back. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. Here's what we're going to talk about today as we watch again uh, four specific times in Daniel's life where he took a stand for God. Today we're going to talk about standing strong. That's the title of the message today. Stand strong. So let's say that nice and loud together at Orchard in our second service. Stand strong. Okay, you can do better than that. That wasn't strong enough. All right. So let's take it up two notches. Ready? Stand strong. We're going to watch as Daniel is going to stand strong in the face of trials and oppositions. How many of you have ever faced an opposition or trial in your life? Okay, some of you are like, okay, that's the story of my life. Well, we're going to learn today from Daniel how to stand strong in the face of opposition when it comes. And Daniel's going to face a big trial and challenge and opposition today. This is probably the most famous story of Daniel. When you think about Daniel, if you've grown up in church, you've been around church any uh, amount of time, you think of Daniel and the lion's den. That's the famous story. That's what we're going to be looking at today. Um, how many of you, like me, grew up in church, maybe went to something called Sunday school? Would you raise your hands? Okay. Okay. Many of you did. Uh, how many of you remember this? And I know I'm dating myself. When they would tell the Daniel and the lion's den story, they would use what was called flannel graph. Do y'all remember the flannel graph? This was before technology and all of those things. And it was this piece of flannel and these cutout characters and they would stick to the flannel. And so we got, you know, a little boy here with his 80s bowl cut going and you got little, you know, Daniel and some cute little lions. And, and so whenever I would think about Daniel Lions, then I would remember the flannel graph story that my Sunday school teacher would teach me about this. And then if you're a Precious Moments fan, uh, there's like Precious Moments figurines and there's Precious Moments Bible. So this is how Precious Moments depicts Daniel and the lion's den, you got cute little Daniel here with a cute little cuddly lion, which is hilarious to me because as we're going to see in the story today, uh, when this story took place, Daniel was 80 years of age. 
Okay, so that's not quite what he looked like. And the lion didn't quite look like that either, this cute little cuddly lion. Uh, let's all agree, and I think we can all um, accept the fact that this was more like what the lions in the lion's den would have been like. I mean, how would you like to be thrown into a den with, uh, you know, eight or ten of these guys staring you in the face? I mean, these were ferocious, man-eating uh, creatures. And let me remind you that lions are part of the cat family, Okay, just want to throw that out there. Okay, cat family, ferocious. Um, I think most of us, when we think about lions, uh, we think about our encounter with lions. Maybe it's at the zoo. You see a lion. They're kind of docile, kind of hanging out. They, they don't seem, you know, real harmless. Or maybe going to the circus and there's a lion tamer and they're roaming around and all of that. But most of us have probably not come face to face with a lion and lived to tell about it. The closest uh, for me would be a mountain lion. Um, here in Colorado, we have have mountain lions, and they are part of the lion family, and they are pretty ferocious. And uh, when I moved to Colorado, I've always loved hunting. I grew up in Oklahoma. We did a lot of deer hunting and dove hunting and quail and things like that. But when I moved here, everybody's like, you got to get into elk hunting. And so I've gotten into elk hunting for the last about 16 years here. And then a couple of men that are real manly men said, well, if you're going to really be a real hunter, you don't use a gun, you use a bow and arrow. And so I went out, I got me a bow. So I'm a, a bow hunter. And the guy that taught me how to bow hunt he said the best way to do it, not many people do it, but honestly, is to get into a, a tree stand. And that's how I used to hunt when I was in Indiana. So I bought me a tree stand, put it about 15 feet um, up into the tree. And when you're going hunting, you want to get into the tree stand before the sun comes up. So usually you're walking in, you know, a couple hours before dark, hiking in a couple of miles. You know, you climb up in the tree stand. But I've heard true stories, kind of horror stories of hunters that get to their tree stand and they don't look into their tree stand and it's dark before they climb up. And sometimes bears will be sitting in their tree stand. True story. Or mountain lions can get in the tree stand. And so I heard this story a couple of times and I was freaked out. So I always would check my tree stand. And when I first started hunting with a bow and arrow, I didn't carry a pistol. Now I do based on the story I'm about to tell you. And so I remember going one morning to my tree stand. It was very dark. And I mean, you're, I'm alone. The other guys I'm hunting with are going to other places and it's kind of freaky. And you know, you hear, what was that? You know, there's, there's lions, tigers, and bears. Oh my, out here. And so everything, you think you're seeing stuff moving. And so I, I get to my tree stand and I do my normal. I take my flashlight and I, I shine it up the tree to my stand. And just as my light is about to get to my tree stand and I'm checking it to make sure nothing's in it, I see something move. Something runs out of my tree stand. And I, my heart starts pounding out of my chest. I am freaking out. And I'm like, oh my goodness, is it a bear? Is it a mountain lion? Something is going to want to eat me. This is not good. Um, how many of you, let's embrace it, like me, you are vertically challenged, all right? Let's just embrace it, vertically challenged people, all right? I tell people I am not short, I am fun size, okay? There's a difference. I'm fun size. Well, that morning I thought I'm going to be a fun size snack uh, to a bear or a mountain lion. And so I'm seeing movement and I'm trying to, with my flashlight, figure out what, it, what is it. And, and I'm going around and I'm like, I am not climbing into this tree stand until I find out what this is. And I'm thinking, is it a bear? Is it a mountain lion? What is it? And my heart's pounding on my chest. And I finally get my spotlight or my flashlight on it and I figure out what it is. It's a squirrel. <laughs> yeah, I felt a little embarrassed at that point. 
I got into my tree stand. But uh, we're, we're going to have some lions today in a story with Daniel and the lion's den. So let's uh, jump into uh, Daniel chapter 6, verse 1. And let me give you the contact. Context is, as I said, uh, Daniel at this point is about 80 years of age. Um, he's been serving uh, various kings in the Babylonian Empire now uh, for many years. He's on his third king. The king now is not Nebuchadnezzar, it's not Belshazzar, it's now Darius. So this is King Darius, not Darius Rucker, the famous country singer, or Hootie and the Blowfish. Some of y'all get that. But uh, his name was King Darius, and he's serving the king. And this king, King Darius, that was leading the Babylonian Empire at this point, was an administrator genius. He was great at organizing things, and he realized, if I'm really going to have control of my empire, um, both politically and, and, and as far as ruling them and, and financially, I'm going to break it into 120 provinces. So he broke up the entire Babylonian empire into 120 provinces, and he put these high officers over each of the provinces. And these high officers, their responsibility was to collect the taxes and the money and balance the budget. We need these guys today in our government. We don't, anyway, that's something else, okay? And so they're, they're supposed to balance the budget, take care of the finances, all these things. And then he put three administrators over the 120 officers. Daniel had been promoted to one of these administrators. So he's very high up in the Babylonian empire at this point. So let's pick up the story in Daniel 6 verse 1. It says, Darius the king, the Mede, decided to divide the kingdom into 120 provinces, and he appointed a high officer to rule over each province. The king also chose Daniel and two other administrators to supervise the high officers and protect the king's interests, the money. Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators. He was very respected and high officers. Because of Daniel's great ability, the king made plans to place him over the what? The entire empire. I mean, uh, the king was so impressed by Daniel that he was like, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to promote this guy higher than anybody else because he was admired. He was respected. Now, that was great for Daniel. That was really cool that Daniel was going to be promoted and all these things. But the other two officers didn't like it. They got jealous. And they're going to go all hunger games on Daniel. And they're going to try to take him down. They're going to try, try to take him out. And we're going to watch as Daniel is going to stand strong in the face of opposition that is going to come uh, from these guys that are jealous of his new position. And so if you're taking notes this morning on the back of your newsletter, I hope you are. Let me give you three truths to help you stand strong when opposition comes, just like Daniel stood strong. And here's the first truth. Number one, if you're taking notes, when God raises you up, expect people to tear you down. That's what's, what's going to happen with Daniel. When God raises you up and promotes you or blesses you in some way, expect people to tear you down. Watch as Daniel is going to be promoted over the entire empire and these other administrators are jealous. It says in verse 4, then the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault in the way Daniel was handling government affairs. In other words, we're going to find some political dirt on him. We're going to you know, get some uh, political ads we can run on the television and, and let everybody know how uh, bad Daniel is. But the Bible says, but they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. I mean, what a great testimony Daniel had. I mean, even his enemies couldn't find something to bring him down about. It says he was what, church? He was faithful. What a great testimony. I mean, could God say that of us? Man, they were faithful. 
They were faithful as a husband. They were faithful as a wife. They were faithful as a parent. They were faithful as a Christ follower. They, They were faithful. He was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. So they concluded our only chance of finding grounds for accusing Daniel will be in connection with the rules of his religion. In other words, if we're going to bring him down, it can't be anything politically. We're going to have to find something that he does in his religious practices, in his faith, in his worship of God. And so you need to understand What Daniel experienced, we will sometimes experience, and we have to learn to stand strong. That when God raises us up, we can expect others may want to tear us down. And and maybe you can relate to this. Maybe you recently have accepted Christ and said yes to Jesus, and you're excited about your newfound faith and your walk with, with Christ. But other people aren't as excited for you. As you are, maybe they're like, man, are you a Jesus freak now? Are you a Bible thumper? Why are you going to church all the time? They can try to bring you down. Maybe you get promoted at work like like Daniel got promoted. Maybe you get a raise and other people at work start, you know, gossiping about you. And, you did you hear about them? And I can't believe they got promoted. Maybe God has blessed you in some way and other people are jealous of God's blessings in your life. Sometimes when God raises you up, other people will try to tear us down. We call this sometimes the the, uh, crab syndrome. They say if you take a bucket and you put a bunch of crabs in a bucket and one little crab gets up enough courage to try to get out of the bucket and he's climbing up the top and he's hanging on, the other crabs will actually form a line and try to grab the little crab that's trying to escape and pull him back into the bucket. You know, I don't know how they do it, but they're grabbing him and pulling him out. And you know, there's people like that, aren't there? Man, every time you get a little bit ahead or God blesses you, then they just kind of try to pull you down and, and tear you down. And... and This is one of the things that we need to understand in Western Christianity, because one of the dangers of of the message of Western Christianity is is if you serve God and you trust God and you obey God and you follow God, you will never have any opposition. You'll never have any problems. Your marriage will never struggle. You'll never have financial struggles. You'll never have health problems. You'll never get a zit before prom. That's just not true, is it, church? That's, That's not reality. As a matter of fact, what I've seen in my life and the life of other Christ followers is the closer we get to God and our walk with him and the more God does, the more the enemy will try to bring us down, the more opposition that we will face. The apostle Paul reminded a young pastor of this, Timothy, in 2 Timothy 3.12, Paul said this, and he said it to Timothy, but he's saying it to all of us, yes, and everyone, everybody say everyone, not, not just some people, not just a few people. Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. There's going to be a certain level of opposition and persecution that comes. Uh, we have an enemy, Satan, the devil, the old serpent. You know what the Bible says? He walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he can devour who he can take out. The more we try to walk with God, the more we try to obey God and stand strong for God, sometimes the more opposition comes our way. It happened with Jesus. Not everybody loved him. Some people hated him and persecuted him. He said, hey, if they persecuted me, don't be surprised if they persecute you and you face oppositions. And I would say this, and this is true as well. If you're not ready to face opposition because of your faith and your walk with Christ, then you're not really ready to be used by God. Because those go hand in hand. 
And what I've seen in my life and the life of our, our church here at Orchard Church over the last 13 years since we started is the more we do for God, the more we trust God, the more we obey God, the more steps of faith that we take, sometimes the more opposition that comes our way. We should be more concerned when there's not opposition as a Christ follower than when there is opposition. Because if there's no opposition, maybe it's because we're not trusting God enough. Maybe it's because we're not doing enough for God. We're not taking enough risk and steps of faith. I get more concerned for our church when there is no opposition. Because whenever we take steps of faith for God, there's always opposition. When God raises us up, we can expect others to tear us down. That's exactly what happens with Daniel. These guys get jealous, and they want to bring Daniel down, so they devise this plan. What is their plan to bring him down? Verse 6. So the administrators and high officers went to the king and said, long live King Darius. They're trying to butter him up. We are all in agreement, we administrators, officials, high officers, advisors, and governors, that the king should make a law that will be strictly enforced. Give orders for the next 30 days any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown where? In the den of lions. And now, your majesty, issue and sign this law so it cannot be changed, an official law of the Medes and Persians that cannot be revoked. So King Darius signed the law. I mean, that was kind of dumb, wasn't it? I mean, he didn't ask any questions. He didn't investigate. That sounds like a great idea. You know, everybody just focuses on me for 30 days, and he signs the law. I, th I think it's funny when the administrators and high officers go to the king to try to come up with this plan, which is intended to bring Daniel down, that they're like, you know, long live King Darius. They're trying to butter him up. I, I wonder what they said. But they're like, hey, king, did, you know, have you lost weight? You're looking really good, man. Are you bulking up? You look good in that robe. Man, your feet look great in those sandals. Your feet are sandal ready, you know? <laughs> Now, 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 I bring that up because I don't know, men, if any of you, this happens to you, but every year when spring comes around, um, I, during the week, I, I love to wear sandals, and so I wear my flip-flops all the time, you know, want my feet to be out and breathe, it's just great, and every year when it comes, starts warming up and it's sandal time, my wife, first time I wear my flip-flops, she always asks me this question, are your feet sandal ready? I don't know. They feel like they are. And then she investigates them. So I don't know why I shared that. I just needed to get that off my chest. It's always weird to me. So maybe they buttered up the king about his feet or, or he lost weight. I, I don't know. But here's the thing. They, the king is now signed into law that nobody can pray to anyone but the king. But Daniel, Dan the man, is a man of prayer. What's he, what's he going to do? Now, is he going to keep praying or is he going to do what Oftentimes, we've done in our life, and I've done in my life, we compromise. You know, Daniel could have thought, well, hey, I'm 80 years of age. I've been praying and faithful to my God for 80 years. If I take 30-day breaks so I don't get thrown into the lion's den, I think God's going to understand, and then I'll, I'll pick it back up again after 30 days. He could have thought that. He, he could have thought, you know, I'll pray, but I'll just kind of do it silently. Keep it to myself. Somebody walks by like, are you, are you praying? No, no, I'm not praying. You know, I could have done that. Or he could just pray like he's always prayed and risk death. I mean, how is it that Daniel had such amazing faith? How did he stand strong? Um, how, where did he get his strength from to stand strong facing the opposition of being thrown into a den of lions? Here's the second truth that will help us to stand strong like Daniel. Kneeling to pray is what gives you the strength to stand. Kneeling to pray like Daniel is what gives us the strength to stand. 
Daniel finds out about this law. What does he do about it? Verse 10. But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and he cried. Is that what it says? He went home and he freaked out. He went home and he panicked. No, no, no. He went home and he knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with its windows open toward Jerusalem. Now, if I'm Daniel, I'm like, I'll go upstairs and pray, but I might leave the windows closed. No, he opened up his windows toward Jerusalem, God's holy city. He prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. You got to love Daniel. What a man of faith, standing strong in the face of opposition. When he found out he could be thrown in the lion's den for praying, Daniel didn't panic. Daniel didn't protest. Daniel didn't pace around and and frantic. He just prayed. He just prayed. You see, our first response to problems shouldn't be panic. It should be prayer. Our first response when problems come, and they will, shouldn't be to panic, but to pray like Daniel. And sometimes our statements and our words give away where our faith really is. Have you ever said this, like I'm sure I have at times in my life? Well, honey, we've got a really tough situation. We've done all we can do. Now all we can do is pray. We've all been there, haven't we? Prayer should not be our last resort. It should be our first response. Our first response should be prayer, not our last resort. One of our values here at Orchard Church is you walk the halls and you see these posters. There's 11 values. One of them is this this value that we work as if everything depends on us, but we pray as if everything depends on God because it does. Let me remind you what the writer of Hebrews said about prayer and, and the power of prayer and the importance of prayer. The writer said this, so let us come, how church? Boldly to the throne of our gracious God. Not sheepishly, not timidly, not, oh, I don't want to bug God today. I don't want to bother him. No, he said, let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. Why? Because it's there we will receive his mercy and we'll find grace to help us when we need it most. Can anybody relate to that? When we need it most, we come to God. We don't panic. We don't protest. We don't pace. We, we pray. We, we pray because when we pray, we get to come to the throne room of our God, of our creator, of our maker, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, the great I am who loves us and cares about us and everything that's going on in our life. I I don't know what your prayers sound like. I don't know what you pray for on a regular basis. I'll be honest and tell you that probably the most frequent prayer that I pray is God give me wisdom. God give me wisdom. Give me wisdom to be a good husband. Give me wisdom to be a good father. Give me wisdom to be a good spiritual leader. Give me wisdom for the decisions as we lead Orchard Church. Because we have many decisions we have to make all the time. Now, the good news is the Bible says in James that if we need wisdom, we can ask God, and he'll give us all the wisdom we need. You know, it's Father's Day. Men, man, be praying that. God, give me wisdom to be a good father, to be a good husband, to be a good spiritual leader, to stand strong in the face of opposition. And one of the things I love about Daniel when he prayed, he didn't announce it. You know, it's kind of like back when we met Daniel a couple weeks ago as a teenager and he didn't want to eat the king's food and wine. He didn't protest in the street and make a big scene and make a big stink. He just had a different plan and he honored and respected the king. Well, here, he, he didn't do that either. He didn't announce, hey, everybody, I want you to know 
I don't care. Don't give a flip what the king signed. I'm going to pray. Everybody watch me. Get down and pray. Selfie. Hashtag praying. Hashtag I'm so spiritual. No, he just prayed. Because the one that mattered most saw it. And that's God. He didn't make a big deal. He just did what God had called him to do. And, and let me just throw out this out here. This is kind of a bonus. This is a freebie, all right? Um, I, I, just, I just need to get this off my chest. I just feel like somebody here today needs to hear this. Um, and some of you are going to like this and some of you may not, but I'm going to tell it anyway. Um, here's the deal. Um, do you guys have people like I do in my life, maybe it's a family member, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's somebody you work with, that when you get together and there's a bunch of you for a meal and you're going to ask someone to pray, you don't ask that person to pray because you know the meal is going to get cold and it's going to be really long and it's like they're preaching this sermon in, in their prayer. Uh, how many of y'all know somebody like that? You know, you know what I'm talking about? Um, I have an uncle that has passed away. He was a pastor for many years. He went home to be the Lord. We would have these family reunions get together. And a couple times we let him pray. I mean, it was like 10, 15-minute prayer. It's like preaching a sermon. And we're like, the, the food is getting cold. You know, we're, We should be on to dessert by now. Come on, man, pick it up. We're just praying for the meal. It's like, you know, do the rest of your prayer life and catch up with God in the morning. This is just for the food. Come on, can somebody help me out? Do you know what I'm talking about? All right, if you're that person, then, you know, I'm sure God is speaking to you right now. I, I, I don't know. But, uh, you know, some people, it's like, they gotta make a show. It's like, just, just pray for the meal. I just needed to get that off my chest. But I love how Daniel did it. He just did what he had always done. Prayed, talked to his God. How, how was it that Daniel for 80 years was able to take a stand for God. How was it that he was able to stand strong in the face of opposition to be thrown in the lion's den? Here's the deal. Daniel stood strong before men because he knelt before God. Daniel could stand strong before men because he knelt regularly before God. And you know, you can pray without kneeling. Um, I, I pray all the time in my car, in the shower, whatever, just talk to God as a friend, and you should do that. But, you know, there's sometimes in our lives that we just need to get on our knees and pray. There, there's something about getting on our knees and praying to God. There's a reverence, there's a submission, there's a humility. And sometimes when we're facing intense opposition in our life, we just need to hit our knees. Amen, church? So, sometimes we need, to, we need to get on our face before God. We need to suck some carpet, you know? If that's what needs to take place, to, to be that humble before God. Because when life gives you more than you can stand, it's time to kneel. Amen? When life gives you more than you can stand, you have that in your notes, it's time to kneel. And I don't know how that's going to speak to someone today, but you're going through something in your life right now and you're like, man, I, I can't stand this. Well, maybe it's time to kneel. Because kneeling to pray is what gives you the strength to stand. That's what happened with Daniel. That's what can happen with us. And I don't know through this series how God is going to challenge you to take a stand for God. I don't know where God's going to challenge you to stand strong. But will you stand strong in faith like Daniel did? You know, let me talk to the men for a minute. I know it's Father's Day. And let me just first commend you men for being at church and having your family in God's house on Father's Day. That's a great start. Amen, ladies? Let's give it up for our men. That's awesome. Lot, you know, a lot of guys, Father's Day, it's like, okay, we're doing something else. That, that's awesome. But how is God asking you to take a stand? Maybe it's in your business dealings. Maybe there's something, the decision you're about to make in your business. You say, well, if I, if I make this decision, I'm going to get a raise, I'm going to get a promotion. But it would cost me my character. It would cost me my integrity. It might not be ethical. 
Will you stand strong in the face of that opposition? Families, maybe you need to stand strong when it comes to your finances. You're like, man, we've been in debt too long. We're in bondage to debt. We're going to stand strong. We're going to go through Financial Peace University with Dave Ramsey. We're going to get on a plan. We're going to live like no one else so later we can live like no one else. We're going we're to take a stand. We're not going to be like everyone else, which is broke and in bondage. I know this is a touchy one, but may, maybe some families need to take a st- stronger stand about putting God first the first day of the week. And, and, and I, I know I may be kind of preaching to the choir today because you're here at church, but there's this movement that's kind of happening in our, in our country with our kids and, and sports. And we dealt with it. We're a sports family. Uh, my son played baseball, you know, most all of his life growing up. And then he went on to play four years of college baseball. And I remember when he was in middle school and going to high school, there were many recruiters and people coming trying to put him on these sports teams that were going to play like 40 weekends a year. And he'd be out of church, you know, all the time. And we just took a stand and said, you know what? If he's good enough, they'll find him. And they did. We took a stand in that, and we said, you know, we're not going to teach our kids that sports are more important than God, you know? And that's something to to think about. Now, I'm not saying don't play, but there's other options and other things to do. We're going to take a stand if that's what God is leading you to to do. Or maybe you're a single person, and you say, you know, I want to be married, but I know the person I'm with is not a Christ follower, and I want to make sure God is the center of our marriage. And and you might just take a stand and, you know, break up with that person to wait for the person God has for you. I don't know what it is, but how will you stand strong like Daniel in, in your life and trust God? But here's what happens. I know because it's happened in my life. Whenever we feel like we got to take a step of faith and stand strong for God, we start to play the what if game. What if? Well, if I take a stand for God, what if I don't get the promotion? What if I don't get the raise? What if my kids don't play college sports or make it in the NFL? You know, what if I remain single longer than I would like to? Here's the deal, church. I cannot promise you that if you take a stand for God that everything is going to work out perfectly and nothing bad is ever going to happen and that everything is going to work out just the way you want it. We're not talking about a Disney movie here. We're talking about reality of life. I can't promise you that. But here's what I can promise you. Here's what I can promise you. It's the third thing in your notes. When you stand for what's right, you can always trust God with the results. Amen, church? When you take a stand for what is right, you can always trust God with the results. And that's what Daniel did. Now, here's the deal. Many of us know the end of the story with Daniel and the lion's den. For those of you that don't, we're going to read it here in just a moment. But Daniel didn't know the end of the story. Daniel didn't know. And Daniel didn't care. He trusted God. He was going to do what was right and trust God with the results. He was like, I don't know if I'm going to get eaten, and now I'm going to be right off to heaven and be with God, or if God's going to rescue me. Here's what Daniel knew. For 80 years of his life, his God had been faithful to him. And so now he was going to be faithful to his God. And he was like, if he saves me, I trust him. If he doesn't, I still trust him. In verse 11 through 15, you can read the details later, what we find is that the king realizes he's been tricked, he's been duped, that this law he signed was like a death sentence on his favorite servant, Daniel, who he really cared and loved, and he's devastated. And he wants to change the law, but even the king couldn't change a law of the Medes and Persians. And so verse 16, here's what happens. He had to enact the law. Verse 16 says, So at last the king gave orders for Daniel to be arrested and thrown in the den of lions. The king said to him, May your God, whom you serve so faithfully, rescue you. I mean, that tells us that Daniel's faith had affected the king. 
He's like, I've seen your faith in this God. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. The king sealed the stone with his own royal seal and the seals of his nobles so that no one could rescue Daniel. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night fasting. He couldn't eat. He refused his usual entertainment and couldn't sleep at all that night. Isn't it interesting that the king couldn't eat and he couldn't sleep, but as we're about to see, Daniel slept like a baby. Very interesting. So we know what was going on all night with the king He was very, very concerned about his favorite servant, Daniel, and what would happen to him. We don't know exactly what was going on in the den all night long. I mean, was Daniel praying all night? Was he worshiping and praising God all night? Was he like me? Probably what I would have done was in a corner peeing his pants. Was he like, kitty, 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 you know? Did did he use the lions as a pillow to sleep? We don't know. But we know what happened in the morning. Let's pick it up in verse uh, 19. Very early the next morning, the king got up and hurried out to the lion's den. When he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God whom you served so faithfully able to rescue you from the lions? And you know he waited. I hope I hear something. The Bible says, Daniel answered, Long live the king. Isn't that awesome? Now, now here's, this is my opinion, but here's what I believe. When he said long live the king, he wasn't just talking about King Darius. He was talking about the king of kings and lord of lords. Long live the king. My God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouths so they would not hurt me. God put the lions on a diet for the night. For I have been found innocent in his sight, and I have not wronged you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and ordered that Daniel be lifted from the den. Not a scratch was found on him, for he, say it together, church, had trusted in his God. For he had trusted in his God. For Daniel had trusted in his God. When you stand for what is right, you can trust God with the results. And that's what Daniel did, but that's not the end of the story. Then the king gave orders to arrest the men who had maliciously accused Daniel. He had them thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and children. Now, that doesn't seem quite right and doesn't seem quite fair. And this is a message for a whole other day. But let me just say this. Men, make no mistake about it. Fathers, husbands, the decisions we make sometimes have dire consequences for the rest of our family and those we love. Just think about that. The lions, it says, leaped on them and tore them apart before they even hit the floor of the den. The angel was tired at this point and off duty, I guess. Then King Darius sent this message to the people of every race and nation and language throughout the world. Peace and prosperity to you. I decree that everyone throughout my kingdom should tremble with fear, let's say it together, church, before the God of Daniel. Before the God of Daniel. When you stand for what's right, you can always trust God with the results. How do we stand strong? Like Daniel, in the face of trials and tribulations and opposition that may come our way. We remember that when God raises us up, don't be surprised if our enemy and sometimes using other people try to tear us down. How do we stand strong? When we kneel to pray, it gives us the strength to stand. 
when we kneel before God, we have the strength to stand before men. And when we stand strong, like Daniel, we can trust God with the results. You see, church, just like Daniel, our God has always been faithful to us. I believe we can always be faithful to our God. Amen? Father, we pray that we would not just admire this story of Daniel, not just read it and study it, but we'd apply it to our lives. And when the opposition comes in our life, and the challenges, that we would stand strong in faith like Daniel. So we continue in an attitude of prayer right now with heads bowed, eyes closed for just a moment. If you're here today and you're a believer in Jesus Christ, I believe God is speaking to some of you today that you can relate to this message. You're facing some kind of opposition in your life right now. And you need to stand strong. Maybe you're facing opposition with your health or your finances or something in your family. Maybe there's a decision that God is leading you to make to take a huge step of faith, but you're facing opposition and you know you need to stand strong. Can I just pray for you today that you would trust God with the results and that you would stand strong like Daniel? If that's you today, you know who you are. Would you slip up your hands all across this auditorium, lift them up nice and high. I'm facing a challenge, an opposition. I want to stand strong. I want to trust God with the results. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. Hands everywhere. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray for all those today that may be in the middle of a trial or an opposition where someone or something is trying to tear, tear them down. And I pray, Lord, that the story of Daniel would give them faith and strength and encourage them to stand strong. That they would hit their knees and that through kneeling to pray, they would have the strength to stand. And that we'd all be reminded that you, God, never leave us, you never forsake us, you've always been faithful to us. May we always be faithful to you like the man Daniel. So we continue an attitude of prayer for just a moment, heads bowed and eyes closed. That story happened about 2,500 years ago in 506 B.C., 500 years before Jesus. And when that story happened, Daniel desperately needed to be rescued from that den, that pit of lions. And God faithfully sent an angel to rescue Daniel. You know, that's not the last time God rescued someone. 2,000 years ago, God looked at mankind in our depraved state, in a state of sin, sin that had put us in a pit and a prison of sin and separation from God in a relationship with our Heavenly Father. And God realized there was no way out on our own. There was nothing we could do. And here's the fantastic and wonderful news about our great God. God sent a rescuer. It wasn't an angel. It was his own son named Jesus to rescue us from the pit of hell and the sin that separated us from God. And all we have to do is accept that gift by faith. 2,000 years ago, Jesus came to this earth. He lived a sinless life. He died on the cross. He shed his blood to pay for our sins. He was buried, and on the third day, he arose victorious over death, hell, the grave, and sin. And all who put their faith and trust in him can have eternal life and be rescued for all eternity. If you're here today and you've never said yes to Jesus and invited him into your life, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. The Bible says whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. One of the ways we call on the Lord is through prayer. 
And I'm going to pray a prayer out loud in just a moment. I'm going to invite some of you to pray this prayer from your heart to God in faith. It's not a magic prayer. It's not magic words that we say. But if we put our faith and belief behind it, we can invite Jesus into our, to our life. We can have our sins forgiven, and we can begin a relationship with our Heavenly Father on this Father's Day. If that's you, you know who you are. Would you pray this prayer with me right where you sit? And it goes like this. Jesus, I'm calling on you today. I'm saying yes to you. Yes, be my Lord. Yes, be my Savior. Forgive me of my sins. I want to know you. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me and rescuing me. Thank you. As we continue in an attitude of prayer with heads bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around. I don't want to embarrass anybody. I, I would never want to do that. But if you just prayed that prayer for the first time, I would love, love the privilege to pray for you, that you would grow in your walk and relationship with your new best friend, Jesus, from this day forward. So right now, I'm going to count on a count of three. And if you prayed that prayer, would you lift up your hand? One, two, three. Lift up your hands all across this auditorium. God bless you, sir, right here. God bless you, sir, over there. God bless you, ma'am, over here. Thank you. God bless you over there. On my right, yes, in the back. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. A couple of hands over here. Amen. Church family, let's pray and welcome those new brothers and sisters in Christ and the family of God. Father, we just, right now, we celebrate just like the angels in heaven, those saying yes uh, to your son, Jesus. We welcome them into the family of God as our brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, we are reminded today in the same way that you rescued Daniel and that lion's den, you've rescued all of us from our sin and our separation from you. And we love you and we praise you and we give you honor and glory. And may we live for the one that died for us. And we pray all this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen, amen. Hey, if you, yeah, we can celebrate that. You guys want to celebrate, absolutely. If you just raised your hand, you prayed that prayer to invite Jesus into your life, that is the most important decision you could ever make. That is our mission here at Orchard Church, very simply. That's why we exist. That's why we built this building. It's to help people find and follow Jesus. And so because you made that decision today, we put together a little book free to give to you. Um, it's the I Said Yes booklet. It helps you understand your decision to accept Christ and your next steps in following Him and growing in your relationship with Him. So please, before you leave today, if you accepted Christ, whether it was this service or a recent service here at Orchard, stop by the I Said Yes booth today before you leave and pick this book up. And let's celebrate again. Big time Orchard Church, life change, and those saying yes to Jesus. God bless you guys.